Good evening. So, tonight and um, next week, we are going to look at something that I like particularly in the Bible. It's not a theme as such. Uh, it's not a doctrine as such. We may debate that, but uh, I would love to say that this is a doctrine. But um, the dwelling place of God, or where God is dwelling. And throughout the Bible, this theme, this doctrine, this idea, concept, whatever the word you want to use, is quite recurrent. More than recurrent, it's quite important. So, I have towns of slides, because that's a course I'm teaching at the Tisley College. That's also a course I'm teaching in the Joshua Project evening. But I said um, to Graham, I think this is a good idea to try to do that in a church. So I'm not going to preach as you used to have preachers. I'm going to interact with you. And um, I just love this, this whole concept. So, what do you think, what do you know about that? What is the dwelling place of God for you? And that question, so you should need, you need to answer me. You need to give me an answer. And that's not because you're far away from me that you cannot participate. So, what is the dwelling place of God for you? Nicola. Nicola. Yes. So that, that's the easiest answer for us as Christians from the 20th century. Because we know that because our preachers, teachers for many, many decades now, they are teaching that to us. Yes, God is living in you. That's true. Nothing against that, okay? But if you look in the context of the Bible, if you come back to the beginning, what is the dwelling place of God for you? Yes? Uh, yeah, well, yes, heaven. And then after heaven? Tabernacle. Yes. So that's a big jump, by the way. <laughs> From heaven to tabernacle, that massive jump. But that's good. That's a good answer. So, you understand the concept tonight? Yeah. Okay. Don't throw tomatoes too quickly. Just bear with me. I promise I will try to be interesting. The concept of God dwelling starts right at the beginning of human history. And in fact, what is amazing is this concept exists because of us, not because of God. God and the three and God, the three persons of the Trinity alone, one God, they are, they are fine together. <laughs> they don't need anything else apart to be together. But once they decided to create the earth, universe, and mankind. And when God did that, at the same time, He created a place, the Garden of Eden. And in this garden, we know for sure that God was present in this garden. You know this little sentence, even if it's close to the fall, but this little sentence that God was walking, you know, in the garden 
meaning that he was always present in the garden. In fact, he never left the garden. The garden was a, a bubble of God's presence on earth with two persons, Adam and Eve. It's a place of joy, harmony, fellowship, a place of wholeness, or maybe we say in English now, peace. And that's a misunderstanding or a very reductive understanding of the word peace when you say that peace is not just war. But in the Bible, peace is not that. Peace is the fullness of something. When you are entirely at peace with someone, nothing can change that, nothing can enter that. You have everything with this person. This is peace with God and this is the Garden of Eden where God is. But as you know the story, and I'm not going to go to the story of the fall, you know that we manage to refuse that and to refuse God's presence. We refused God's presence. That's why we were out of the garden. And because of that, because of this sin, because of this situation, God said, okay, we need to be separated. Because where there is God, there is something else. What we call today holiness. Because God is holy. So when you are in the presence of God, the meaning of that is you are holy as well. Because you could not stand in the presence of God if you were not holy. So in the garden, everything is holy. When you left the garden, you're separated from God. You're not anymore in the presence of God. However, God chose to dwell in the midst of creation. Even if the garden didn't work, that never stopped God. Throughout the history, and that's what we're going to do tonight, starting to do tonight. Throughout the history, until, and that's the verse in Revelation. So I'm starting with Eden, but to prove my point, I'm quoting Revelation. To show you that throughout the Bible, the big scheme of the Bible, we have this idea of God dwelling in the midst of His people. But they process. I don't know if you knew that, but God's revelation is a process. And God is going to prepare His place on earth, what you call the tabernacle. God is going to prepare His place in the midst of His people with the temple. And then with us. There is always a preparation because, always because, God is holy. If you ask, if I ask right now, without Christ, well, I know it's difficult to imagine that in a church, but imagine there is no Christ. Imagine there is no church. Imagine we are all Jews, Jewish people. And we ask God, come now in the midst of us. We are foolish. We are absolutely foolish. Because if the holiness of God entered this room, we all died. Like that. Because God is holy. If you want to stand in the presence of God, you need as well to be holy. So, God is going to prepare something. So we will be able to be with Him. And Him with us. So, at the start of our story, after the Garden of Eden, God is still here, but from a distance. There is no specific place where God is. But he's always in connection with his people. 
but rather not people but persons, character. It's not the people yet, it's not the nation yet. But he's connecting, he's speaking to people. He's giving word to people. He's letting him being accessible to others. Right? So for instance, we have these guys that you should know very well. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. All witness that God is carefully watching after them. Yet, there is no specific place. But God is still watching after His creation, after His people. In Abraham, we have what we call the Theophanies. Someone knows what Theophanies mean? Yeah. Theo means God. Theology, the study of God. Theophany, funny means appearance. You know, appeared. So, Theophany, the appearance, when God appears. The presence of God is specifically promised to Jacob. I will be with you and will watch over you. You see, there is no yet, there is no a place where God stands, a place where God stays, but is giving promises. I will be with you. I will be in the midst of you. I will be with you and will watch over you. And we know that because through the life of these guys, God proved it. Joseph, the entire story of Joseph is showing that God is sovereign. God was leading the life of Joseph. We maybe discover that at the end of the life of Joseph, through Joseph, God is going to save a nation, his nation. And yet, there is no specific place. But God is still dwelling just from a distance with His people. You still with me? Even during hard time, like the period in Egypt, the people of Israel are never far from God's presence. You can see that in Exodus 2, verse 23-25. From a distance, in a country where they are oppressed, God managed to seize their misery, to hear their cry. He's concerned about their suffering. And at the end of that, He came down and rescued them. So, with the concept of the dwelling place of God, we need to have relationship. God wants to dwell in the midst of His people because He wants a relationship with His people. He wants it. I just, well, I have nothing else to do, so I'm just going to help the people. He wants a deep and profound, I mean, these words, I seize their misery, I hear their cry. He wants to take care of his people. But remember the context, they are not listening that well. However, when he came down to rescue them, what is the reason to rescue them? Is that just because they are oppressed? What is the reason that God wants people outside of Egypt? Do you remember the reason He gave to Pharaoh? I want my people out of Egypt because I want them to worship me. And that's another concept with the dwelling place of God. Where God is, there is holiness and there is worship. 
to see God tonight in front of you, the only thing you will be able to do as a Christian is to praise His name. Is to worship Him. You cannot do anything else. Because He's God. So when He came down to save them, but only for His worship. Yes, in the midst of that, He's really saving them from the end and the, of the Egyptians and the oppression of the Egyptians. But the reason is worship. And if you look carefully, the reason is more than that. God is preparing something. The people grew in Egypt. Numerous, numerous, numerous. They came 70. Okay? Now they are a lot. <laughs> I would say billions, uh, millions or whatever. But they are a lot of people. And God wants to take these people in a specific place. For what? To worship Him. Because He wants to be in the midst of His people. That's, where, that's why they were created. You see, where God is, holiness, worship, and all of that is wanted by God. It's a willingness to God to share with His people. You need to keep me on track with something because I forgot to look at the <laughs> time. So now we move on. God will act and prepare His coming to be present in the midst of His people, the chosen people, the people He saved, to be the leader of His chosen nation, to be the savior of any souls that recognize His holy name. That's important. That's important to notice that. God meets with Moses first, even before the people is outside Egypt. And now, with the dwelling place of God, this idea of God is somewhere, we have extraordinary things happening. God communicates, talk to people. We knew that from before, but now there are extraordinary things happening. The burning bush. What are the most extraordinary things in this event? I'm listening. No. It's not the most extra extraordinary thing in this event. But that's quite something, but that's not my point. You know the story. Before, when Moses saw the burning bush. Exactly. So it's specific place, specific ground at the specific time. But God starts now to come down on earth. And to say, you see this place here, that's holy ground. Exactly like the garden. That means when I am here, this is holy, holy place. I am here, I'm dwelling here. And we will see that throughout the Old Testament, there is a lot of places like that. Usually mountains or cities. But this place, when you quote and you say, oh, Jerusalem, what is that another name for Jerusalem? The Holy See. Because that's the place where God is or was. And again, God is going to speak and He's going to give promises. And that's interesting that where God is, when there is God on earth, there is communication and there is promises. And if you look carefully throughout the story of the Bible, 
And even the story of Jesus, this is the case. Jesus, God, is on earth. And He's giving promises to His people. He's talking, He's giving hope to His people. So you have holiness, you have worship, you have promises. I want to take care of you and I will take care of you. How? These are my promises. Just take that with you. It's a question of relationship. Always a question of relationship. And that's just amazing. But, in this story, remember we moved from the patriarch, Abraham, Jacob, Isaac, all of these guys. Then there is the problem in Egypt. They get out of Egypt. But now it's not families. Now it's not just one guy or two guys. Now it's a nation. Well, not yet nation as we understand nation because there is no land. But it's a people. And God is telling to His people, You are my people. Therefore, because you are mine, I need to dwell in the midst of you. How am I going to do that? Well, be patient. I'm preparing the, you know, I'm preparing the stuff. So be patient. You will understand what's going to happen in the wilderness. But before you see the tabernacle or the temple later on, I'm going to show you that I'm in the midst of you by leading you. The column of fire and cloud. Showing the presence of God. Now the fire, if you're a good New Testament um, not teacher, what is the word? If you know very well your New Testament, and I say to you, fire, you should think about someone in particular. Amen. Holy Spirit. Fire, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, is harder in the Old Testament, but the New Testament is quite often the case. When you see fire in the New Testament, you think about the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is God. Therefore, fire is the presence of God, incarnated if you want to use the image. But the cloud is the same. When you use cloud in the Old Testament or in the New Testament, there is the presence of God. Think about Jesus. He came back home in the cloud, promising that He will come back in the cloud. Why the cloud? Did He need the cloud to fly? No. That's an image or a symbol of the presence of God. And that's happening here. The pillar of cloud in, in Exodus never left the people alone. So now from time to time speaking with people, now he's always here. There's not a specific place, but he's always here. By fire or cloud, but God is present in the midst of his people. More than in the midst, he's leading his people at the front. Nobody moves if the fire is not moving. Nobody moves if the cloud is not moving. Because God is always at the front. And now we are moving to a place. Because God is moving on and saying, Okay, now you understood that I'm here on earth. That I'm leading you. That you need to obey me. Now you understand. Because at that time, the laws are coming to... You know, be dictated by God. Moses received the law as well. Well, we will see that in a minute. But God is saying, now I need a place to really come down and meet with you individually. 
talk to you. And that you will see that I'm here. But not just you. Because the clouds of fire and, and sorry, the pillars of fire and cloud, that was for the people of God. But when we will have first the tent of the meeting and then the tabernacle, the other nations, we know that God is here in the midst of His people. So now, not just few person or few family or even just the people of God, now it's worldwide. Because of the presence of God in the tabernacle. And obviously more appreciated by people around them with the temple. And again today, to a Jew person today, the temple is quite really important, or the rest of the temple is quite really important for you. That's why they want to rebuild the temple. Because where is the temple? There is God. And where is God? That means I can accept God. I can worship God. And this is holy. But before that, God is coming down in a mountain. And as he did with the bush, here in the mountains, the mountain is holy. And I don't know if you remember the story here, but God asked Moses and Aaron and all the guys to come up to meet with him. And Moses said, yeah, no problem. I know you, God. I'm, I'm just going. Yeah, let's go. Well, not like that, but you understood. But the people... How reacted the people of God? The entire nation. What did they say? You go. Yeah, you go. Uh uh-uh. uh. We don't go. Why? Because now they accepted the idea when God is present, holiness is here. And they know that they are not holy. Therefore, they don't want to go. That's not a problem for Moses because he has a personal relationship with God. But the people, they don't want to go. They recognize that holiness is involved. Maybe they recognize that worship must be involved as well. And they're not ready to do that. Again, maybe showing the rebellious heart of the people. But Moses goes for a reason. What is going to happen in this mountain? The Ten Commandments. That's another point. Where God is... There is holiness, there is worship, and there is God's command. Now, if you come to us today, that's, that is exactly what we are. Where God is, there is holiness by the blood of Jesus Christ. There is worship by songs, by praise, by reading His word, by teaching His word. There is worship who recognize the name of Jesus Christ as the Son of God. And there is also the commandments. One of the primary role of the Holy Spirit is what? Exactly. The primary role of the Holy Spirit is to remind us the teaching of Jesus. That's why we are not alone. Because we have the teaching of Jesus continuously through the Holy Spirit. Yet we need to teach the Word of God for ourselves. But you understand the process, presence of God, holiness, worship, what of God, or the law of God. But as you know, there is a problem. There is a problem because, as I said, the people, they are not ready. But they know, 
They are not ignorant. And that, that's something we believe people in the Bible, but in your life well. I'm not going to say that you are rebellious, but when I was rebellious against God, I was not ignorant. I knew the truth, but I chose to be rebellious. Most of the people outside these walls, they know the truth, says Romans 1. You don't need to prove the existence of God to anyone, says Romans 1. They know the truth, just looking around them, just looking a baby, creation. They know, but they refuse to see it. They are deliberate. Atheism, we recognize something, but we don't know how that, called. that is called, so we refuse it. And they continue, they continue, they continue to rebel. But after the golden call, calf, sorry, God is saying, okay, now it's time for me to come in the midst of my people. But that's not yet the tabernacle. The tabernacle is like, you know, website under construction. It's processing. Uh, the, the law needs to come down to them so they will go on. But God says to Moses, you put a tent outside the camp, in a place, guess what, holy, when pe- where people can come and meet with me. Again, you have the core of the reason of God dwelling in the midst of us. Relationship. Every person on this earth who said to you, well, but you, God, is far, far away. This is not true. First, because we believe it. But this is not true because from the beginning, God wanted to be with us, in the midst of us. We refused that. We rejected that. So He wants to be in the midst of us. But first, there is this tent of meeting. And I can tell you that a lot of Christians miss, you know, do a mishmash with that tent of meeting, tabernacle, the same. No. Tent of meeting is the first tent of meeting outside the camp. Then comes the tabernacle. Just going to move on. So, now we have the tabernacle. God is in the midst of His people, but no one can directly access to Him. And that's a bit the conflation, a word that I learned in English. A conflation, because, I don't know if you pronounce that this way, but there is a tension. Because yes, God is in the midst of His people, but you can't access God. There is a kind of a process. You, you need to go in the courts. Well, then first you need to cross Moses' you know, person and the high priest and all of that. Then you need to go in the, court, in the court hall. Then you need to go in the holy place and then in the holy of holies. But no one got to the holy of holies. Choose the high priest once a year. With a little rope and ding, 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 ding. Because if there is no ding, 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 he's dead. You need the rope to take him out. It's funny, but that's proof something. That's proof that they knew God. They knew if you go in the presence of God, you need to be prepared. You need to obey all the rituals in the Old Testament or in the scripture for them. All the laws, because if you go over there and you're not ready, what is going to happen is you will die. Because God is horrible? No. Because God is holy. And where God is, holiness is everywhere. 
Now, you may ask me, Seb, why are you teaching that to us tonight? Well, think a minute. We are the temple of God now. God is living in us now. If you say to Moses or Abraham or people at that time, the way we are living with God today, they will call us foolish people. God is gracious with us, I can tell you. He's really patient and gracious with us. Because at that time, if you met God in His holy place, not ready, not obeying His word, not worshipping, you will be dead. Did God change? That was your prayer. Did God change? No, not at all. He's still the same. He was like that at that time, He's still the same today. And He will be the same in eternity. Holy. I'm always, I'm almost here for tonight. Okay, bear with me. <laughs> but now we have the tabernacle built. God dwell among His people. He's present in the midst of His people. And the communion between God and His people is attended. I will meet you, Exodus, all these verses. I will meet you. I will be there, here in the tabernacle, and I will meet you. Shekinah is, the Shekinah glory is the, the, the presence of God, plus, 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 plus. And this Shekinah is an expression in Hebrew that you can find in the New Testament for Pentecost. When Pentecost happened, that's Shekinah. The presence of God, plus, 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 plus. That's what we have in us. God, the Holy One, is dwelling in us. Now, there is the design of the tabernacle. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. The only thing we can see as people who... That, that's going to be very hard to decide, to say that, but... As people who don't really care about the tabernacle anymore... Because we don't need it. However, however, we need to study it because we can learn a lot about us. You see, measurements, specifications. It's really important because God knows what He's doing. It's not just like, okay, so you find a tent, I will purify the tent and put that in the middle and ta-da, that's me. No. There's rules, there's specification, like one. I'm just giving one for you. In the tabernacle, as in the temple, as in the new Jerusalem, the entire city, something is quite specific every time when we think about the presence of God. In the Holy of Holies, Holy of Holies, the size of the room is a perfect square. In the temple, the Holy of Holies is also a perfect square. And in the New Jerusalem, the city itself is a perfect square. Do you know why? Because the perfect square is showing you the completeness of God, the fullness of God. And God wants that. He wants to be in the midst of His people with something He designed to be in, and the splendor of the materials, and the splendor of, I mean, this tent is quite expensive, okay? That's not the tent in Decathlon, or 
stuff like that. It's really, really expensive. And yet they can take the tent and move the tent even when God wants to move. But the thing is, this is not enough. Remember, when God is in the middle, there is holiness involved. Therefore, if there is holiness, Leviticus is teaching us that we need sacrifice. We need blood. That's God. Leviticus 17. You're a sinner. I'm holy. The only way you can approach me, be in relationship with me, is to give me blood. Life for your sin. Do you know this reality? That's exactly what Jesus did. He died at the cross, paying for us. How did He do that? How did He do that? He did that by shedding His own blood. Because in His blood there is life. And life needs to be paid against sin. So now the tabernacle, the presence of God, is also the place when people come and deal with their sin. That wasn't the case in the Garden of Eden. Because everything was perfect. But now it's the case. Because we are sinners and we need to deal with our sin. Every one of us. The Ark of the Covenant is really important. But I'm not going to talk about the Ark because I will come back to the Ark next week. And there is a cost. Now where is the presence of God? There is holiness, there is worship and there is a cost. There is the law of God, obviously, and there is a cost. So when you approach God, you know that will cost you something. Well, that's very interesting. Because yes, Jesus is the perfect you know, sacrifice for us. But Jesus said something after that, or for the life after that, until He comes back. Our life as Christians will include cost. You see, it's relevant from the beginning to the end. There is the presence of God, there is holiness, there is worship, there is the law of God, there is sacrifice, there is a cost. If you're a Christian tonight, and you're a Christian from a few years now, you know what I'm talking about. There is cost. Because God is present. And we are not holy. We are forgiven, but we are not fully holy yet. Arrange that theology with yourself as you want. But I know you still sin, as I do sin. But I know I'm saved by the blood of Christ. I know God sees me today as white as snow. But yet I'm still sinning. The now and not yet idea, that's something interesting in itself. Now the location, I'm just going to be very quick on this one. The tabernacle is at the middle of the people. The middle of all the tents. And the tents... Of the tribes are arranged in a sense very interesting. You have the tabernacle in the middle, and you have some tr- tribes like that, some tribes like that, some tribes like that, some tribes like that. That's a cross. In the middle of the cross, you have the presence of God. Maybe I'm pushing too far here. I do acknowledge that, and I have no problem to debate that with you. But I think that's quite something that at the, in the midst of his people you find a cross. And this tent, the tabernacle, is guarded, is taken care of. The Levites exist now. They are in charge of the tent. 
They are in charge of everything happening in this tent. God is sovereign. Think about everything. Every details. He is leading everything for us. Preparing something for us. And obviously, since Egypt, when God asked Pharaoh, let my people go because I want them to worship me, something happened at that time. We call it Passover. But in the tabernacle, God is going to reinstall that by His law, saying once a year you need to do that again. That will be never enough. But you need to do it again every single year to remember that I will save you. I saved you and I will save you with blood. Now, the Passover in, in itself, it's a complex um, Simple and complex doctrine, but that was the place to do Passover. That's why I like the idea of the cross. Because that's exactly when our Passover, if you want, happened. It's at the cross. Our perfect lamb is killed and murdered at the cross, at the wood, for us. Where God is. There is holiness, there is worship, there is the law of God, there is a cost. So now God is dealing perfectly with the sin of the nation. Ah, perfectly? Not really. At that time that was perfect for them. But they knew that they needed to do it again and again and again and again and again. Without stopping. That's why the tabernacle or the temple for David is really really important. Why? Because they need, absolutely need a place, this place, to deal with their sin. If they don't have this place, how on earth are they going to deal with their sins? And that's a good question if you have Jewish friends today. Ask them, how do you deal with your sin today, if Jesus is not the Messiah? How do you do? There is no more temple. Very interesting answer that you can have here. But there is a condition. And this idea of cost, sacrifice and Passover is the condition for God to be in the midst of His people. If there is no deal about sin, there is no presence of God. Simple as that. We talked about that already. I think you will start to sleep soon, so... <laughs> I need to go. And I'm just finishing with this quote here. Sorry. That this guy, Paul R. House, wrote this. It's not a commentary, but Old Testament theology, if you're interested. And he said that everything done from Genesis 12, which is what happened in Genesis 12. You are Christian because of that chapter. I'm pushing you because there is a for there is a reason for that. I am not a Jew, but because of the chapter twelve in Genesis, I am part of the inheritance promised to Abraham in Genesis twelve. We are these people that God promised. To Abraham in this chapter. From this chapter 
to Exodus 31 has been done to restore the humanity-divine interaction forfeited in Genesis 3. God wants to dwell within the, in the midst sorry, of His people because He wants a relationship with us. If it's the only thing you, you get tonight and you have tonight in your heart, just take it. Everything happened here in Genesis and Exodus and all the, the Torah, the law, five first books, the Pentateuch. Everything happened in these five books. It's about God restoring His presence in the midst of His people. And again, this revelation of God or what God is doing will be perfect. And we know that because we are Christian, like Christ, we be perfect with Christ, the perfect Lamb. That revelation is showing us in chapter 4 and 5, the Lamb slaughtered, standing on the throne. That's why God wants to be with us. It's to have a relationship. So next week, I will try to jump from this stage in story to church. Nice try. But we will, go, we will get there. If you have any questions, that's the time of questions. If you have any problem, if you disagree with something, just speak to Graham. If you... <laughs> but that... I know maybe that's a lot of information, but think carefully tonight. Everything we said, okay? Try to remember. Uh, the, you have the presentation, so you can copy the presentation. Whatever, there's no problem. Think about that and your life now in Christ. And try to link the two ideas now. Try to see everything. How it is important to understand that where God is, there is holiness. God is living in me now. Holiness in me. That should imply a lot of things in my life. I, could, I couldn't be perfect without Jesus. And I will not be perfect until He come back. The worship. How do you worship God? The law of God. How do you know the law of God? How much do you know the law of God? You see, Jesus was quite clear. I'm not here to scratch down everything from the First Testament, the Old Testament. I'm not here to destroy that. I'm here to build upon that. Romans again said that it's grace upon grace. The First Testament, that was grace. And with Jesus, we have even more grace. But we can't reject the first one. We build our relationship with God in the first one. We understand the deep and profound relationship with God with the first testament, with the first Old Testament. Dear Father, we want to thank you again for, for tonight. Thank you because we do need to understand all of this um, concept of you living in the midst of us, you living in us. We need to understand this holiness, this idea of worship when you hear, this idea of knowing your law, the Bible, this idea of having a relationship with you, and this idea of the cost attached to this relationship. But as Revelation said to us, the cost will end one day. No more tears, 
no more pain, no more suffering, because you will be with us. And that's our hope. Amen.